Here's a great question to ponder on your summer vacation. What's been the best day of your life so far? Big events will automatically come to mind, but go beyond those. Think about the longer list. What have been your best days? It turns out there's a lot of value in those stories, and even more so by sharing those stories. Armed with just pen and paper, Harvard-trained architect Benita Cooper started the first Best Day of My Life So Far storytelling group in 2009 as a six-week lunchtime volunteering project. She asked Philadelphia Senior Center to borrow a small table for one hour a week. Every Thursday during lunch, she showed up with pen, paper, and an open heart. Older neighbors shared stories that contained their deepest hopes, dreams, and fears. Younger neighbors showed up to listen along. Afterwards, she shared the stories and her reflections on a blog to invite younger people near and far to join in on the conversation. Originally intended to last those six weeks, the group quickly became a tight-knit family and continues meeting to this day, bringing together hundreds of participants and volunteers and counting. From that little group huddled around a table in Philadelphia at the Senior Center, the not-for-profit organization has grown into a true community. The best day of my life so far has trained over 300 volunteers and impacted the lives of thousands of older adults and younger listeners nationwide. Through 26 sites for its signature storytelling group program, 17 story pop-up community events, and 10 story cure professional development programs. If these are of interest to you, make sure you listen to later in the conversation where there'll be details on how you can get involved and there are links in the show notes if you want to go further. Keep in mind that these programs include lunch and learns that you may bring to your company or these different events or groups you can get involved in starting with organizations you're involved in. Here to tell us more is Benita Cooper. She is an award-winning registered architect in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. She holds a master's in architecture from Harvard University and a BA in architecture and a BA in art from the University of Washington. Driven to build and lead from a young age, she entered college at the age of 15 after moving from Hong Kong at the age of 12. Benita has also received prestigious awards from the American Institute of Architects, American Architectural Foundation, Harvard University, and more. Her work has been awarded first place by the American Society of Interior Designers. Benita, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So before we talk about your not-for-profit, tell us a little bit more about you and your day job. So your listeners might get a kick out of this. My day job, I'm actually an architect. I have my own firm. We do architecture, interior design. We also actually make custom furniture. So it's a very robust architecture firm that I lead. And tell us about how the best day of your life so far began. The best day of my life so far began officially with a very small um, storytelling group that I started in 2009. It was official, but it was also modest. I started with just pen and paper and an invite to older adults in the Philadelphia area to join me around the table once a week to share their life stories. I explained to them that it was not only to meet older adults around the table, but also to inspire younger people, especially their own family members, whether the family members were near or far, because I, in addition to starting the 
weekly group also started a blog and that was what I was going to be able to use to share the stories to people that were not in the room. And what inspired you to start it? My inspiration is the friendship and stories that my late grandma told me. Our friendship began with a single phone call. She had been my grandma all my life, obviously. And actually for many years, I lived just a couple blocks away from her. And those were small blocks. I literally was just, you know, steps away from her. And I would go over for dinner all the time, but I never really understood who she was as a person because I never took the time to talk to her beyond the normal day-to-day things. But in 2006, I remember feeling homesick. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. It was after a long day of work, but all day long, I've been just thinking about being homesick. And at the end of the day, I decided to give her a call. It was the first time I'd ever called my grandma just to say hi. I thought we would just say, how's it going? How's the weather? And be done with that call. Instead, she opened up to me about a devastating story from her childhood. But what struck me was the courageous and positive tone with which she told about her past experience. I asked her if I could call her back to hear more stories, and she laughed the happiest laugh I'd ever heard. And so to this day, I remember that sound in my head. And that is what I mean when I say the best day of my life so far, which is the name of our organization. And your organization has evolved since 2009. How does it work today? My organization now has multiple programs, still with storytelling groups as our core, core, core program. Instead of just me sitting around one single table, which is the format of storytelling group, we have groups in different cities and towns. We do events. We do professional development seminars and programs for people in the care professions. We also have a professional network for multidisciplinary leaders who are working on social connection for older adults, intergenerational audiences in some way. In addition, we just launched a new program that's focused more on youth so that they too can gain the skills that our volunteers and care professionals have been learning to reach out to older adults. There are also more specific things we do within each of those programs that we can talk about in a little bit, if you'd like. Great, thanks. And you mentioned social connection. Social isolation is a major problem, obviously, and certainly something we saw become even more acute during the pandemic. What are your thoughts on social isolation and how your organization helps in that regard? Yeah, so social isolation, even without knowing the very long word, was what I was really trying to do even on day one of the very, very first storytelling group. I had no experience, no formal experience with working with older adults. I was trained as an architect, but I knew what it meant to be a granddaughter who listens. No more, no less. I I would always call it 
a soft spot in my heart for older adults because I didn't know a better word for it. But I think what I was really trying to do was to cultivate and foster a sense of real connection between people. And I knew in my heart, just from my pure joy of becoming friends with my grandma, I knew in my heart that older adult stories were a vehicle to bring people together in a very real way. And so it's not just the isolation of the older adults, but the isolation of the younger generations who listen. And it's the power of older adult stories that bring the different generations together, but also bring different older adults who might be in the room doing the same thing together. So from, I'd say 2009, isolation was kind of rooted, embedded in my heart in the group's mission. The group grew into the organization, the nonprofit organization under the same name, the best day of my life so far. And of course, fast forward 11 years, then 2020 came around with COVID and isolation suddenly was a word that appeared in normal speech and normal newspapers in the mainstream. Prior to that year, it was a word that lived in academic journals, in the health industry. I was always used to using that word. I became very used to using that word, but I was shocked by how everybody else started using that word. It was because COVID brought about not just COVID was not just a pandemic in a physical sense, but due to the physical separation, we all had to do a mental and social isolation at a very large scale developed. And so younger people, younger generations, and I just mean everybody younger than older adults when I say that, were able to share a feeling that most older adults have always had to feel just by being old, they have older, just by being older there, they have had that feeling. So that's just to say that isolation is now acknowledged as a shared experience. And now academic journals are talking about it in that way as well. Social connection is the solution for isolation, but it must be true connection. It can't just be a friend request that's accepted on social media. It must be genuine human interaction. Yeah. So those are some of my thoughts about those two words. Thanks. And so what are some of the favorite things people have shared about their best days so far? I want to answer that question by saying, I know the name, the best day of my life so far of the organization might make people assume that we encourage people to tell the happiest stories, the happiest experiences in their lives. But really the best day of my life so far is about the fact that whenever two people or a group of people come together in a genuine way, it leads to the best day of all of their lives so far. Even if what brings them together is someone sharing the about the the worst day of their life someone sharing a story about the worst day of their life having said that some of my favorite best day stories are some of the saddest ones i've heard because i knew that by finding the courage within themselves to share 
those stories with the listener or the group, that older person was ready to move forward from bottled up emotions and unresolved thoughts. They were ready to kind of see their past in the way they choose to see it and then find their own future. Don't leave your next phase up to chance. Be intentional. Design it. My next group of designing your new life in retirement starts on September 21st. There's a very early discount that ends on August 15th. You'll find a link for more information and to register in the show notes. Hope you'll join us. So yeah, some of my favorite best day stories are the saddest ones. And I don't know if you wanted me to give an example. Sure, that'd be great. Thanks. So I was actually journaling about that yesterday because just this weekend, one of our older adult participants passed away after years of being ill. Her family reached out to me earlier in the week telling me that it was going to be her final days. And a lot of that correspondence actually means a lot to me. They even told me that the family chose to show Beatrice, it was her name, show Beatrice some of the videos that we made together and that I made for her. We were making, the group and I were making videos for her because we knew she couldn't come to the group physically, but we wanted to stay connected. And so because of all of that, and as a tribute to Beatrice, I started rereading some of the stories and the family also asked me to, you know, share some at the funeral, share some thoughts as well. So one story that came to mind as I was looking through everything this past week was the saddest story that Beatrice told. Keep in mind, well, if you knew Beatrice, picture someone who walked into every room smiling almost dancing as she walked in, always in beautiful, brightly colored clothes, always making everybody happy. And most of the stories she told, and this is for years, weeks after weeks, most of the stories she told were happy ones, positive ones, positive perspectives that she gave to any kind of events or moments. The one story that really stayed with me and that I ended up really reflecting on was the story about how her mom left her and her nine siblings when she was only five. She just left home and the siblings were aged one to 12. This included Beatrice's twin, Bernice, who also was an awesome participant in our first storytelling group. She was actually one of the first four older adults who attended the first session. So Beatrice told about her mom leaving home. And years later, when Beatrice became her mom, a mom herself, she found her mom on the streets. So she brought her mom home to take care of her. But then her mom left again, went back on the streets. The next time Beatrice saw her mom, she actually found her at the psychiatric hospital where the mom would later pass away. But Beatrice would go there and would try to make 
her mom talked to her, but Beatrice said that she never said one word, not even her name. And Beatrice said in the story, she was named after her mom. And that was all she was trying to get her to say was her name. But what was really powerful was how Beatrice ended the story. She said, so I have this picture I carry every day and it's a picture of her. And she brought it out and showed me in the storytelling group. To me, being able to take out this picture and tell the story, even though it was so devastating, showed so much courage, power, and strength in Beatrice. And it showed me the true magnitude of the smile that I'd been used to seeing for years. I realized that she actually, I realized that she reminded me, or I realized why she reminded me so much of my grandma. Actually, I always knew they had the same, you know, vivacious personality. And I assumed, oh, that's probably why, like when I saw Beatrice, I would sometimes think, oh, that's like my grandma. But I also realized that the reason why their smiles were so great and their joys, their sense of joy was so radiant was because that was real joy that I was seeing. And real joy came from open or real joy comes from overcoming real deep pains. Yeah. So I'd say that is one of my favorite best day stories. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So what have you learned about the power of storytelling? I knew from the very, very first call with my grandma that stories could do what years of conversation could not, or years of not talking or years of whatever else could not. Stories can bring generations together. Stories brought my grandma and me together with one single phone call. One single story brought my grandma and me together with over one single phone call. Over time, with more calls and more stories, we became even closer. We became best friends. So stories are the building blocks to real communication. Real communication is a building block to real relationship. Real relationship, if enough people are doing it around you, is the building block to real community. And all of this is significantly more powerful when the storytelling is shared between generations. We, at the best day of my life so far, never say we're helping older adults. We think of older adults as the leaders of our communication loop. And anybody who's in the younger generations should feel privileged and special and in awe that anybody would be giving us access to their deeper thoughts and feelings. Yeah, so the power of storytelling is that it might appear super fun. In fact, the nickname for our first storytelling sessions by the first participants was party time. So storytelling feels like that. It feels super fun. But if you do it with genuine intentions, it changes lives. Indeed. And so what can different generations learn from each other that they may not quite expect? Gosh, well, if you say story, 
within each story, every story, when it's told by someone who is truly willing to share and someone who's truly willing to listen. Every story contains sometimes not just one, but multiple life lessons. All of those things could be unexpected. You might not expect to have, if you're someone younger, you might not have expected that somebody older would, I don't know, be so open-minded about whatever social issue is happening at the moment. Or if you're somebody younger, you might not expect that your grandma was so funny because she might be telling about something basic, but telling it with such a sense of humor. And when you're someone older, likewise, you might not expect that somebody younger would be open to your way of thinking or that they would find you funny or that if you tell something sad from your lives, which you thought they would not want to hear because it's making like you don't want to make them sad or something like that. If you're someone older and you tell somebody younger something sad, you might be surprised by the confidence they see in you, which you never knew you had. So that story, that's within every story. There is something to be discovered and some impact that you could have if you allow the story to kind of sink in both sides for storyteller and for the listener. And if it's thinking of storytelling in general, which is relationship building, I mean, the possibilities are truly limitless. What you can discover about each other is insight into life and into people. What you will discover is a greater love of life and of people. You will start to understand you know, the ideas of diversity and inclusion, which you hear talk about, uh, heard talk about everywhere, you will actually feel it because you will realize how differently yet similarly people think because each story is about the specifics of that person's life experiences. But when it comes down to it, a lot of people are talking about the same core values about relationships with families and friends. And so I would say that is the kind of beautiful thing, the most beautiful and unexpected thing that if you stick with it, it will inevitably lead you to feeling a greater love of life and of people. You mentioned life lessons. What life lessons would you say you've personally learned in creating and evolving? the organization? That's, I can answer that question with hundreds and hundreds of answers. I realized as I myself evolve as a person, I started the organization simply as a granddaughter. I started talking to my grandma when I was 25, turning 26. I started the organization when I was 29. I'm now 43. I now have two, two kids. So my perspective has grown. The organization and the the leading of it has really shaped me into the leader that I'm glad I've had a chance to become. I realized that in the beginning, it had to meet me going every single week to listen to the stories around one table because I needed to fully experience what I was doing. People from day one were asking me, to train them to do the same thing, not just around the country, but around the world. 
I knew I needed to take my time to do and feel what I was doing. And so I started a wait list. Soon when I was ready, I put together a guide. Then the guide turned into a full toolkit. Then the toolkit turned into a full training seminar. And pretty early on, I had volunteers, people reaching out to volunteer with me. At first, it was to sit with me at the group. Then it was to type the stories. Then it was to help me put the training materials together. Then it was to help me put together large-scale events so that the things that were happening at a small scale weekly could happen with a greater impact to greater intergenerational audience and public settings. And now we're finding new ways to be more, not more relevant, but to stay relevant to the changing times, especially with COVID. We're highlighting new programs, launching new programs while strengthening the older ones and weaving in new methods of communication that strengthen the basic face-to-face communication we stand for. So now I do know that my responsibility is to not just be physically attending weekly. I do love uh, being a visitor and the first group is still thriving along with all the other groups that we have started with partnering venues around the country. I know that my responsibility is to motivate, inspire, train different audiences to be active, compassionate listeners. My goal is for the organization to last beyond my own lifetime and the lifetimes to come. With that in mind, it is really important for me to lead in a way that allows other people on my team, especially the next generation, to be part of the process, to be the next leaders. I'd say, so I'd say leadership is the biggest lesson I've learned. And Benita, some people listening want to get involved in things that will make a positive difference. What advice do you you have for people who may want to get involved with your organization? Thank you so much for the question. We have so many amazing things happening behind the scenes that are not announced yet on the website. For sure, if you're on uh, social media, follow us. It's best day of my life so far. And we're on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we're the most active. We also have fun videos on YouTube. But Facebook and Instagram will be your way to kind of like stay up to date. We also have a newsletter where we give seasonal updates on things that might not be announced yet on the website. Our website contains tons of research about us saying uh, why we are, or why our methodology is effective. We've been evaluated by research teams, uh, not just nationally, but internationally. And all of the groups and events that we do, we have gather feedback from the hosting venues and the participants in order to make sure we're always growing with quality and integrity. So on the website, you can read more analysis and things like that. See our track record. You can see the different programs that I listed. I didn't say the name, so I'll just name them now. And I'll talk about which ones we can use more volunteers on. 
So we have storytelling groups. If you want to get involved in that, you can connect us with the leadership of your local senior center, um, nursing home, and we can see if they would like to host a weekly group. It's that simple. And you can get yourself to become the volunteer facilitator so you can help them actually make it a real, a practical reality. If you're interested in our story pop-up events, you can connect us with the leadership of any kind of community or public venue in your area. So for example, a little bookstore or your biggest public library or anything, just get us a really cool venue. Tell us how many people there are and we will work with you to come up with an awesome event. And that is suited for a really unforgettable experience for young and old, more like a one-time thing, whereas the storytelling groups are ongoing. Next, if you're interested in what we call the Story Cure training program, that is suited for uh, people in more the care professions or college students or grad students entering those professions. And that could be professions related to caring for others because we teach the fundamentals of compassionate care and active listening, things that you might think one would learn at school often or get to experience in the workforce often. But those things that are core to the reason why people enter those fields often get forgotten because life is stressful and work is stressful. So Story Cure seminars, we have programs and and actual kind of modules that plug right into the kind of care and healthcare fields. Branching out of Story Cure, though, is something super exciting we call Grand Camp. So Grand Camp is us teaching the very same topics that we teach, that we have taught for many years to professionals. We're teaching them to middle and high school-aged youth, obviously in a much more lighthearted and lighter way. And it involves me like this on a video as well as me on in a digital environment teaching the lessons. This allows entire schools to give out these lessons to their students. In addition, Grand Camp also has me basically guiding youth to do very fun, easy story listening exercises in their real life. So they watch me teach them on an instructional video, and then they get to apply it to real life. They come back to watch me, and then they apply it to real life. We do that four times for four weeks. So that's Grand Camp, a new thing. So please connect us with your local middle or high school to get us get us there, making impact with your local community. And again, with all these programs, after you connect with us or when you connect with us with the leadership, ask to volunteer for the program because they need volunteers to run these things. So you can then be the point person that sees this through. Another kind of like extension of story cure that we're doing in a lighter manner to get into the mainstream, because remember isolation, we said is now a mainstream kind of issue. We're doing lunch and learns for offices of any sort. You do not have to be working in healthcare to 
benefit from this. So if you have a small business, medium-sized business, big business, and you want some sort of educational, any educational kind of fun thing or your lunches, because a lot of people have staff lunches that they need some, I don't know, information or like activity for, bring us in because I teach about how you can use the listening skills that we use in our programs in your day-to-day work and life, especially for offices where there are younger staff and older staff. You can use that immediately in the workplace or for offices that have intergenerational customers that you need to work with. You can use those listening skills to just provide better customer experiences. So Grand Camp and Lunch and Learn, I want to highlight Grand Camp for Schools Lunch and Learn for all different offices. And there are other things we do too that I would love for you to find out more on our website, other programs. But yeah, I would love to highlight those specific ones that I just shared about. And there'll be links to these in the show notes to find out more. Yes. So our website, I'll say it out loud and then you can read it in the show notes too. It's best day of my life so far.org. Best day of my life so far.org. We say so far because today could be the best day of my life because I and you just had a great human connecting conversation. But I am hopeful that tomorrow will then become the best day of my life as well. So it's so far, it's best day of my life so far because it's a continuous motion forward. Yeah. And I now know how much depth there is to the conversations that take place, the storytelling that that takes place. But I have to ask you one last question, if I could. Tell us about the best day of your life so far. That's a good one. I always right away, my mind goes still straight back to the very, very first phone call I had with my grandma and the sound of her laughter. The entire name of the organization was named after her laugh and the happiness in her laugh when I called her back asking if I could hear more stories after that very first one. At the same time, I cannot say that that was the only best day of my life. Because even today, what a great conversation we had. So I count today as kind of mini milestone along my personal growth. And I'm genuinely grateful for it. I really do believe that it is important for myself and for all participants in our programs, even all of the volunteers, the amazing, amazing volunteers we have to feel the possibility of saying today is the best day of my life so far. I really do believe that if you choose to think that way, you can find reasons why you would want to say that sentence every day. And so while my mind will always travel back to the very, very first phone call that I ever had with my grandma, I too am working on saying every day that today is the best day of my life so far. And that's a great, great way to think of it. And listeners may be interested in knowing that this conversation came about because one of our previous podcast guests, actually our first official podcast guest, Thelma Reese in Philadelphia, 
who's been on our podcast three times, had mentioned Benita's organization to me, and that, that's why how it got on my radar. And I'm so grateful to Thelma and to you for having this conversation, sharing all the great things that you're doing. Thank you so much for your time, for doing this with me. Time for takeaways, a few ideas to take action on following today's conversation with Benita Cooper. Number one, what is the best day of your life so far? Two parts to this. We'll begin with the question we started with on this podcast. What is the best day so far? It's a fun exercise to think about and see what you notice as you scroll through those days in your memories. What stands out for you? Are there some themes that are interesting to notice? And part two, the so far part. What can you do to create more of these best days going forward? Number two, how can you do more storytelling? Occasionally, some of my family members listen to my podcast, and if they're listening this far, they might be cringing. Oh, no, not more stories from you. But all kidding aside, as she mentioned, stories really enhance our communication and they enhance connection. So what can you tell? What can you share with others? And the other thing that stood out to me about storytelling in listening to Benita today is the listening part. It's not just the telling, but also how do you listen to stories when others are telling them? What do you extract? What lessons do you highlight? How can it be a catalyst for your thinking? Number three, how can you get involved? I think it's fascinating to have heard about how this side project, this lunchtime six-week project, has blossomed into this larger organization impacting many people. So how can you get involved in something like this? Do you have an idea that you could create that might have impact on others? Or can you plug into what she's created? Is there an opportunity at your company, at your organization, or in your community where this could be a benefit? Take a look at the links in the show notes to find out more. And thank you very much for listening. Our mission is to help you retire smarter by focusing on the non-financial aspects of retirement life.